Welcome everyone to the dance floor where life lessons are learned through the art of dance. I'm your host, Anna Harsh, and I have an amazing special guest with me today, Miss Mandy Angelini, dancer, choreographer, and studio owner of Evolving Artist Dance Studio in Washington, Pennsylvania. Mandy, welcome to the dance floor. Hi, I am so happy to be here. We've been trying to get together for a little bit, but the weather hasn't been cooperating. So I'm glad I know. we got to connect. We've got schedules to deal with, um, students to deal with, the weather to deal with, but you've finally made it to my dance floor and we're here to chat and dance it up. Mandy, I know you've been dancing a long time like I have. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you got into dance and how did you get started? Yes, I was the little three-year-old that enrolled and was shy and scared to dance. So I was the little one sitting in the corner on my mom's lap for a few months when I first started. And the teacher kept saying, be patient, be patient, she'll do it. So every week she would say, Mandy, do you want to try butterfly walks? And I would say, no. And then a few months in, I said, yes. And then I said, bye, mom. And out the door she went. So that's how I got started. So I always that sometimes that's all it takes is a little bit of encouragement, especially as teachers. Now we know that, you know, give those students a little bit of patience and let them sprout their own little butterfly wings when they're ready. Maybe, you know, that's all it takes. I know I was introduced at home, you know, music was always playing in my house. So it was always a dance party. But, you know, and then I was introduced as a studio and that sort of thing around three or four years old. And then, like you said, then butterfly wings sprout and you get that bug and you're like, yes, this is what I want to do. So I know you went on to college for dance, correct? Yes, I grew up competing and dancing at festivals throughout high school. And then I went to Point Park University and I majored in dance with concentrations in jazz and modern. Awesome. I just got a chance to visit Point Park and dance and give a little workshop to their dance majors. Amazing facility, awesome college, and they're doing amazing work there. Really incredible stuff's coming out of there. So how was your time at Point Park? I know you did a lot of things there. Yes, I loved it. Um, I also took enough credits to have a psychology minor because I knew I wanted to teach dance and I thought that would be very helpful. So I took a lot of child psychology classes there which has become very helpful in teaching, especially this last few years. I can't imagine. Yes. It almost feels like we're also their little therapists in dance class right now. (laughs) For sure. I think all dance teachers feel that way that we're therapists we're second moms we're you know, the ride to and from sometimes. that, I opened my dance studio in 2010 in Washington, and we offer classes for all ages. So I teach all ages from mommy and me, and then I also coach the W&J College dance team as well. You work with a wide range of students all in the same day. And I know for some people out there, they might not understand how taxing that can be on your brain and your energy as a teacher. But I I get that, you know, you could be having three-year-olds in a class and then you have to flip your switch maybe to a high school student or like you said, a college student. And it's quite different to teach. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how is that? You got to switch your brain a little bit. Yeah. So the babies, I always say you have to handle with kid gloves 
especially these COVID babies. That's, that's what I'm calling the preschoolers right now, because if they're two and three, that means they were born. Pandemic was their whole life. Wow. So mom and dad may be the only people that they interacted with for the first two years of their life. And that's really different, I think, than it has been in the past. Yeah, that's really hard to think about is they're the only people that, like you said, they've interacted with or immediate little bundle of family members. And that's it. Wow. Yeah. I, I never thought about that until just now. That's, yeah. that's a good point. The preschools were shut down for a long time in daycares. So simple things such as just taking turns, sharing, standing in line, that's really what my preschool classes right now are focused on, them looking to someone else as the figure of attention versus mom or dad. Wow. And I always say that the arts teach us so much more than just the technical skills of how to perform that art form. And dance is one of those, like you're saying, we learn how to share the space, how to be respectful to another person on the floor, you know, how to take turns, how, gosh, there's so many life lessons that we unpack as dancers and teach besides the plie and the tondu and how to do a pretty pirouette. It's so many more life lessons. And that's what we always talk about here on the dance floor, the life lessons that we've learned and how they you know, manifest into our own lives after they leave the dance studio world or the performing world? What does it mean for their family life? And like you said, mom and dad might be the only people that the little ones are used to, and you don't know their rules at home. And now you have to teach them a whole set of rules for the studio and it might be brand new to them. What about the college students? You know, how do you flip to them and how they're doing? They seem to be doing very well. I require masks for all of my students and staff and parents, and we do temperature checks and hand sanitizers. And it seems like this group of college girls are actually more ready to face the world than groups in the past. They show up now. And I think maybe having to finish high school or their first college semester online at home without the guidance of teachers bumped up their responsibility a little bit sooner. So it's been a little bit easier actually with them. So the opposite. Yeah. So kind of like the opposite, they have a little more independence and they're learning to do, gosh, I got to do this on my own and what I got to figure this out. And somebody's not going to be here to tell me all the time. So that's awesome. And in a way, that's really great that they are becoming more independent and really self-sufficient. Yes. I call them my raindrops. So the six to eight year olds, For them, it's been a little bit of a challenge. I've kind of, in the four to five-year-olds too, I've had to adjust what I've taught for over 10, 15 years. The same structure plans are just, they went away this year, dumped them in the garbage. It was getting frustrating trying to expect them to do what the kids did in the past. It's just not realistic. And we were all getting frustrated that they weren't meeting the milestones I was setting. So I had to adjust my expectations of them because their life does not look like the life that we had. They don't get snow days. They don't get time at home to play in the snow. They're online school. Wow. Even as simple as what I, I usually teach facing the mirror, but with the six to eight year olds now, I find they learned better mirroring them, facing them because they've learned on Zoom and Meet for two years on and off. And so they, they are used to looking 
at the teacher like that now versus at the back of us. I've noticed the same thing. I'm working on two musicals. And when I do get a chance to actually be in the high school with them to do rehearsals, I'm doing the same thing. I'm finding that mirroring is best because like you said, for the past two years, they're looking at a screen and for a year and a half, they were looking at me through that screen for musicals, (laughs) you know, so I get it, you know, right is now your left and your left is now their right. (laughs) So it messes with your personal brain as a teacher, but I'm like mirroring. That's a really good point. As far as teachers, if you're out there, teachers is, is mirroring working for you. Is that a better way to teach, you know, forget the mirrors in general. I just think, you know, they're just useless to us at this point. Who, who has time for that? (laughs) You know, besides maybe brushing your hair in the morning, that's about it. That's about the last time we're going to look in the mirror. Mandy, any other techniques that you've changed shorter times or across the floor combinations? Are you making them shorter, longer? So I had to learn new tricks last year. For example, I teach a lot of acro classes and we would do one long line of mats and they would all squish onto their mat. Last year, that was not an option. So they each got their own mat. And I found there's benefits to that. And there's also a downside as you can only fit so many mats spread out in the classroom. So limiting class size is a challenge for a business owner. But I did learn some new, you know, warm ups exercises that I wouldn't normally have done. I've learned to restructure and uh, a lot of independent conditioning work, setting up stations. Yeah, I wonder if that helps with maybe them not comparing themselves to their neighbor anymore. Like because you're watching somebody tumble down the mats of one long mat. But when you're on your own mat, you're just worried about yourself, kind of like a yoga class. Like when I used to teach Pilates and yoga at your studio, like I felt like everybody was like, you know what, this is my little space and I can concentrate on me time. And maybe that's translating in a good way. Is that something you would keep to do a little bit? Yeah, I've been doing it on and off. So we also did six foot boxes with one foot in between, and it had some upsides and downsides. The upside was that. I could say, stay in your box, which means they didn't have to keep their feet super still. They could still wander if they were a little rambunctious. Got it. Yeah. But it also, they weren't learning to travel and use the space and interact with other dancers. So that was problematic with it. So, but I like elements of it. I like giving them the freedom to move around in their spot, but you can also only fit half the amount of kids if each box is six feet with a one foot box in between. So I didn't keep the boxes this year. However, I do try to keep them spread out a little bit more than normal. So they have a little bit more freedom to move around. Yeah. All good stuff, Mandy. These are really great techniques that we really are coming up with out of nowhere. (laughs) Yes, there were no guidelines for studio owners. It was basically you need to keep your students safe and figure it out on your own. Well, Mandy, let's take a really quick break. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, what inspires you as a choreographer, maybe what you changed, what what rearranged and uh, where do we go from here? So we'll be right back with Mandy Angelini.
Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Mandy, and she's giving us tips, techniques of how to rework your studio and how all of that works nowadays. Mandy, how did your show go? I know that you are creating choreography, and it's hard to produce an actual concert or performance at the end of the year. What did that look like for you at your studio? So we were able to have a show in 2020 and also in 2021. So in 2020, we did our show at our normal school. And what we did was we blocked off sections for each family and they got two rows of seats. And then there were three or four rows with no one. And then a few rows for the next family. And we did shows by level. So there were only about 20 kids in each show and we did a lot of shows. Wow. Um, was that like spread out time? Like all in the same day and like from one to one thirty is this group. And I think we did it over two days, if I remember okay. correctly. And then in between each show, um, I fogged the entire theater and the dressing rooms. It was a little bit more informal. Usually we have a lot of decorations, a lot of lighting, right? Uh, We just scaled back the first year, but it was great to see the kids on stage. It was fantastic. There were lots of tears from everyone. Happy tears. I'm sure. And, you know, for a dancer, you look forward to that final performance to show off what you've been working so hard on. And I can't imagine their feelings of finally making it to the stage. It's like making it to the finish line finally. And then we still have to deal with situations. (laughs) But I know hearing the applause is still sweet, I'm sure. And that is costly. I can't imagine like doing that over and over, cleaning the space over and over after each performance. That has to be costly. It it does all add up, which brought us to thinking an outdoor show would be better. That's what we did this past June. Um, I rented a tent. I think it was 40 feet by 60 feet. And we did closed around the stage and we had a stage built. And I rented 300 chairs plus a tent for the dressing room, generators to run um, the simple lighting that we had in the stereo. And we had a portable air conditioner in the dressing room. And it uh, it was not cost friendly whatsoever. <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like an entire festival that you just put on, because that's what it's like. You have tents and a stage and lighting and um, yeah. So everyone, please support the arts. We really do try to make things better each time, but you know it's not a cost effective for us. And Mandy, gosh, you should be in charge of festivals now. Like I can't imagine. So did you research how to rent all of this stuff? Yes. I had some help from some friends who work in event planning. We made, thank God. Yes. We made checklists. And one of my friends actually flew in from Denver to help me run it because it is not a one man show type of thing. It's not a one job. Um, It takes a village. I always say it takes a village and maybe the next village too. (laughs) It does. So from here, moving forward, we are doing a show in in our school in a theater this year. That is the plan. We are going to keep it by level like I did in 2020. So we're going to do, I think, four shows this year. Wow. um, Spread over different days. So do you know dates yet? Can we say where? 
Yes. The recital is, I don't know the exact dates, but the week of June 6th through 11th, we're doing it at Washington Parks Elementary School and there'll be levels by show and the ticket. We do online ticketing for our shows. That's awesome. And um, for those that are like, well, that sounds like a cool studio. I want to go and take classes with Miss Mandy. I know you have an awesome staff. So how can we take classes with you guys? Yes. So all of our classes are listed on our website, evolvingartistdancestudio.com. And we normally don't accept students um, midway through the year. However, we know some people might have delayed due to fears about COVID. So we are still accepting students. It has been a struggle this year for a lot of studio owners to find costumes. I ordered very early, so most of my costumes are in. But that's another struggle right now for studio owners is costuming. What I used to do, yeah, what I used to do would be like use some leotard and tights, some basics that they already have. And then we zhuzh it up, you know, we add some sparkle to the tops or the leotard, whatever, and maybe add a hat or a scarf or shoes that are a little different or colored tight. I mean, those are all good ideas, but I know it is a struggle right now because shipping costs and how get it in on a time and there's not enough. I think that might be the future too. We might have to adjust our expectations of costuming because of the cost of inflation and the realities of maybe just not being able to get them in on time. Yeah. And sometimes people maybe from the past can pass down their costumes, you know, and reuse it, do a recycle kind of day and say, hey, if you got an old costume, you want to donate or for a low cost fee, maybe sell it. Wow. We're, we're just coming up with ideas because it's, it's a new day, isn't it? Well, everyone, that's where we are going from here. (laughs) You know, we really are thinking outside the box. I know Mandy, you talked about boxes, but we're thinking outside the box and, you know, like you said, all the plans are out the window, but the education is still there. And that's, what's so sweet. You know, the students are still learning some really basic core skills and they're flourishing. I mean, I see the little videos you post and, and all those sweet things. And I I can see them growing each time. What would you tell the next generation? How can we help them? Yes. So this would be an interesting time to open a dance studio. I would say, do your research. Do not open a studio that's oversaturated with dance studios already. And also, make sure you are not pulling all of your money out of your business. You must leave money in savings. So if something happens like a pandemic, you have money to fall back onto because unemployment money, for example, in the pandemic took four or five months. So there was no income for four or five months. And a lot of the setup is expensive. So make sure you are prepared to buy mirrors and sprung floor to protect your dancers from injuries and Marley. There are a lot of things that cost a lot of money and it's doable, but do your research. Don't think you're just going to open your doors in four weeks and be ready to go. Yeah. People are just not going to pour in to your place. The thing that I would add to that is be unique, you know, be something different for your place, you know, set yourself apart from other studios in the past. When I had my studio for about a decade, you know, I taught modern dance and that was new for that area at the time. And then of course I had Allegro, which is an Italian folk dance company. 
And nobody had that. They're just like, what is that about? I want to, I want to join. I want to do something like that. And top partnering work and improvisation and prepared people for college. If they're going off to college, like yourself or myself, like when I, we went to college, you know, I wish I had an Anna or a Mandy to say, Hey girl, this is what you should expect. So any advice for dancers going off to college to be a dance major? I would say be unapologetically yourself. So who you are, do not lose sight of that. It's easy in college or even in the professional world to feel overwhelmed, to fit into a box. For sure. <laughs> More box talk. That's but right. You, you must be you and people will see you. And they will appreciate that you are true to yourself. And I think that's also important in a business to be yourself. Don't feel like you need to change your classes or your structure or your pricing to meet what other people are doing. Be true to who you are. Yes. Be you and don't be afraid to be you because standing out is better than fitting in (laughs) at this point, standing out. Mandy, I appreciate you being with us and sharing your knowledge and your amazing tips on new techniques. Everyone, where do we go from here? And Mandy has told us, get some boxes, be individual, all of those great tips and advice you're giving to young, the next generation of dancers. I love it. Mandy, come back and join us with your concert talk and Tell us about your exciting choreography maybe in a few months and let us know how we can get tickets and see these fabulous dancers and and wish them amazing luck in the future. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for joining us today on the dance floor. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I'm your host, Anna Harsh. And until next time, keep moving on the dance floor.